FM Ann Arbor. WCBN WCBN FM Ann Arbor. WCBN WCBN FM WCBN 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 FM Ann Arbor. your quiet desperation. Come fritter and waste your hours with WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We'll show you the way. Well, uh, <clears throat> we love Pink Floyd down here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And obviously, uh, we don't need to talk too much about the hurricane. That's uh, turned Oh my God, it's a tropical non-stop storm. Yeah. media circus. I guess we'll give out a brain damage award to Rush Limbaugh. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> He's overdue. He, of course, was denouncing uh, the hype and the hyperbole about this. As Science a... likes to use these hurricanes <laughs> to uh, impose their false climate shift, global warming agenda on the decent American people. But you'll note, of course, that Rush evacuated his lovely Palm Beach estate. All the same. Well, he's the size of a baleen whale, so 
I don't know if he was going to go foraging up in the Arctic, but uh, they're running out of food up there as well. I'll throw a quick brain damage award out, too, to the insistence by all these networks that they have some beleaguered newscaster standing knee-deep in water while high-velocity winds assail their senses. Somebody's going to get decapitated by a stop sign uh, if this sort of... Uh, broadcast showmanship uh, keeps up. There's a reason you stay indoors, and you don't need the TV guy to stand out there grabbing onto a railing as he clings on for dear life to a balcony to try and illustrate how bad it is. It's a hurricane. It's a hurricane. We get and, it. and look, people were told that this was the largest uh, hurricane ever recorded. Uh, this was, uh, you know, going on all week. Here's a classic. Hurricane Irma is the strongest storm ever recorded in the Atlantic Ocean, according to the National Hurricane Center. This is last Wednesday. And Brian Norcos, the hurricane specialist at the Weather Channel, the Hurricane Center said Irma had winds up to 185 miles per hour as it approached the Leeward Islands. Okay, now the Leeward Islands are those funny islands that are east of uh, Puerto Rico that form kind of a half moon. The bottom of them, by the way, they call them the Lesser Antilles and the Greater Antilles. Strange, of course, that the British, the French, and the Dutch uh, still own islands out in that part of the world, but they do. And, of course, at the bottom of that whole chain is Ronald Reagan's favorite island, Grenada. (laughs) So anyway, plenty of warning about this, uh, this notion that it, quote, wasn't as bad as we thought it would be, I think is a little premature. Uh, obviously, late reports are indicating that Jacksonville, <laughs> ironically, may experience the most flooding from this uh, tropical storm now, Irma. That's, uh, you know, when you see North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, South Carolina, Georgia, and pretty much all of Florida uh, being forecast with rain, heavy rain, with, quote, um, damaging wind, risk to lives and property, Uh, that's real. And the idea that the weather channel or meteorologists can precisely predict where it's going ashore is kind of silly. Uh, It was predicted for days now uh, to be hitting... South Florida. And even Governor Rick Scott told people, look, it could hit on either side of the Florida Peninsula. Florida and Michigan share that distinction. Of course, part of Cape Cod is a peninsula, but that's not the whole state of Massachusetts. In any event, uh, you know, this is real, and it comes on on the heels of the disaster in in Texas, uh, where a lot of people are still uh, not in their houses yet. Well, and the costs of uh, Irma, despite the fact that it the storm weakened as it you know took land in Florida, uh, are going to be astronomical. Sure, and maybe even more costly than Harvey because of the way that it's gone up the entire state, and even where there hasn't been wind damage, there'll be water damage. Uh, it's also bizarre to hear the Trump administration spokesman uh, suggest that it's unfair to the people of Florida 
to talk about the ways in which global warming may have intensified this storm. Yeah, and of course, you know, Florida got a little bit of a break in that it, frankly, it it hit northern Cuba uh, for a little uh, longer distance than imagined. Kind of pinballed off there. Yeah, you know, leave it. But of course, when they predicted that it would be a direct hit on on the Florida Keys, they were... 100% 100% correct, and they had the cone correct. I mean, it's not like, as I say, they can nail this down to uh, 10 miles or 15 miles of predictability. We, we see that in Michigan in the winter with snowstorms. Uh, they will show an area of snow. They will say four to eight inches. And we live in Ann Arbor, which is a bit of a valley. Um, don't need to worry about too much flooding here. Just a couple of low-lying areas uh, in the downtown uh, over in my neighborhood called Water Hill. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, Ann Arbor is uh, A-OK on the flooding. But we see this in the winter. You know, a, a storm, uh, a snowstorm will come in off Lake Michigan and dump maybe five inches in Brighton, which is, you know, 18 miles away. And Ann Arbor may only get a dusting. Well, that's the nature of of these uh, systems. And when you see a, a hurricane being reported as the largest ever recorded, that's enormous. I mean, this completely destroyed some of those uh, small islands in the Caribbean. Um, St. Martin's, which apparently the Dutch... I believe that is a Dutch... Uh, ...have shirzenity over. Possession. <laughs> Is uh, you know ninety five percent destroyed, and uh, the people that stayed, and of course it's exceedingly difficult to evacuate places like that because where do you evacuate to? I don't know. Uh, obviously, this Florida um, predicament is still ongoing, and I suspect that power will be out for uh, several days, uh, maybe some places as long as a week. Because they may have to completely rebuild some infrastructure in certain places. This has affected, you know, five or six million people. Toss in the Hurricane Harvey. And it's pretty outrageous that Donald Trump would be uh, roaming around Missouri a week ago uh, claiming uh, that we need a tax cut. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very strange. There have been a number of odd things that have occurred uh, in the midst of these two storms i just so wanted quietly in the background uh, yeah i just wanted to read a couple of these of course uh trump timed his arpaio pardon for ratings from the first storm you'll recall as the texas hurricane harvey was hitting uh near corpus christi it wasn't corpus christi proper but it was a little town called rockport where by the way the mayor reported that 95 percent of everything there was destroyed called it a bunch of sticks, the whole town. Uh, This Hurricane Harvey, of course, circulated around. It hit landfall twice, went back into the Gulf, hung around. Uh, A stationary high created all that rain. Flooding, of course, was the main uh, disaster. I don't believe they still even have uh, electricity and or water in Beaumont, Beaumont, Texas, was one of the most severely affected places. And uh, Western Houston still has plenty of water um, lingering around with all those 
chemicals, petrochemicals, and everything else. Uh, on the 29th of, uh, excuse me, on the 28th of August, uh, which is basically two weeks ago, um, Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced two weeks ago last Monday as, quote, life-saving gear that the uh, Trump administration was going to lift restrictions on surplus military gear for the police. You will recall that following the Ferguson stuff and other incidents, uh, it was discovered that many police forces in the United States were getting copious amounts of surplus military equipment to use as riot control. Uh, of course, the, the picture that accompanies the headline on this shows an armored vehicle uh, rescuing people uh, a couple of days before in Dickinson, Texas. So that image, of course, can project to the public that, boy, this is a good thing. This really is about public safety. <laughs> mm, maybe not. But uh, we, we know that this uh, stuff has been used in the drug war. Uh, it says that the Pentagon tracked 126 armored vehicles, 138 grenade launchers, and 1,623 bayonets that had been returned since Obama prohibited their transfer. The program was started in the 1990s as a way for the military to transfer surplus equipment to federal, state, and local police agencies fighting the drug war. This is a Reagan-George Bush I program as part of the, quote, drug war. But that's also a way by which the Pentagon clears its books of materials mm -hmm. uh, so that they can buy new ones. Sure. That's really what the Pentagon has in mind there. And, of course, Trump has proposed a $50 billion uh, increase to Pentagon spending, which shows, uh, I think, once again, the misplaced uh, priorities of this country. You know, it was reported earlier this year that 2 million human beings uh, in Yemen, Somalia, Nigeria, and southern Sudan were facing famine. Uh, America's response to that is to uh, actually promote and escalate wars in three of those four regions, three of the four countries I, I just named, uh, northeastern Nigeria, where... Um, Boko Haram hmm. operates uh, Somalia, where uh, Al-Shabaab operates. And, of course, Yemen is being systemically bombed by our ally Saudi Arabia <laughs> while it faces famine and cholera and other problems. Uh, this was reported by Reuters back in February of uh, this year. Uh, one month into the Trump administration. And, of course, one of the first acts of the Trump administration was staging a commando raid in Yemen uh, that netted a couple of uh, DVDs and other assorted uh, insignificant stuff. Uh, the Navy SEALs went in and discovered that the people of Yemen are actually better armed than the people of Texas. And civilians died. That was the first. Some SEALs died, too. Yes, that was the first American casualty. 
Of course, uh, Sarah Palin had her lawsuit dismissed against the New York Times. Another <laughs> eventful occurrence uh, in between the storms. Uh, she had sued the New York Times, I guess, for getting the Sullivan case. She's a public figure. <clears throat> they need to, uh, she needed to prove actual malice. But uh, what I love from the judge that dismissed the case is he writes, What we have here is an editorial written and rewritten rapidly in order to voice an opinion on an immediate event of importance in which are included a few factual inaccuracies somewhat pertaining to Mrs. Palin that were very rapidly corrected, Judge Jed Rakoff of the Federal District Court in Manhattan said in his ruling, negligence this may be, but defamation of a public figure it plainly is not. <laughs> so, so much for Sarah Palin and her lawsuit. Um, and, you know, other things that Trump, you know, the, the pardoning of Arpaio, and then he throws in DACA uh, this past week. Um you know, with a strange claim that he may revisit this at some point. I don't think he quite understands that Mitch McConnell um, obstructed and filibustered the DACA legislation several years ago when it actually had 55 votes in the Senate. I don't know that Mitch McConnell is going to say, oh, I'll schedule that for a, a vote. He's just going to say... That's the last thing the Republicans want. Well, it's the last thing he would do. Yeah. I mean, he, that that's one of his pet peeve issues. Uh, and, of course, Trump has spent the last month insulting him. I don't feel sorry for Mitch McConnell, but uh, I think that what we have here <laughs> is a failure to recognize the political situation. Uh, the DACA... People affects, what, 800,000 individuals. These are the children that were brought into the country illegally, quote-unquote illegally, uh, by their parents when they were children. Um, and I don't know what Trump means when he says he's going to revisit the issue. Well, he says all the time, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do this in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of a standard uh, trope he uses for something that he's never going to come back to. Now, whether or not he will, in fact, expect Congress to do something within the next six months on this in the face of their desire to try and pull together some tax reform. And now with all this, you know, additional hurricane concern, that seems incredibly unlikely. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, the big other story of the week regarding sort of between the lines kind of weirdness is this uh, debt ceiling deal that kicks the can down the road to basically pump some money into the situation in Texas, the Harvey uh, hurricane, tropical storm, flooding disaster that's, you know, once again, it's affected 6 million people. We're talking about 10 or 11 counties that have major problems. As I pointed out last week, uh, FEMA does not provide enormous quantities of uh, relief for people. They issue low-income loans. So when you read that Houston, the Houston area, Harris County, only has 15% uh, of the houses insured, 
and you have the a report that 500,000 people in Texas have already applied for FEMA assistance, which would basically be loans, because if you're not covered by insurance and your house is salvageable but probably needs several, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of work, you know, where are you going to come up with that money? <laughs> Um, Trump, a couple of weeks ago, should have been extolling Americans to give money to FEMA. FEMA was $24.6 billion in the red before Mm -hmm. Harvey. And this doesn't even include uh, the Irma uh, situation at the moment. Uh, We don't know what that's ultimately going to uh, cost the American uh, taxpayer. But this storm system is going to create havoc in several other states north of Florida. It is right now. Um, And it's, you know, you need to remember that when a hurricane hits, it's sometimes those eastern bands of water that create the biggest problem. Um, Because they keep coming. (laughs) And uh, sometimes, believe it or not, you're better off having the eye of the storm go over your head. Um, that's wind damage and Florida to its credit has improved some of their, um, zoning standards and building standards Mm -hmm. that have mitigated some of the damage. But let's face it, uh, nobody's heard anything from Key West or the Keys. Uh, and it's my understanding that only half those people evacuated, evacuating Key West in a situation like this is exceedingly difficult. And of course, we heard about the fuel problems, stations running out of gas, and you kind of reach a point where you don't really know if, how far you can even make it. Because uh, where are you going to get gasoline if the trucks are, right. are not coming in that direction anymore? It's a very, very difficult situation. So, Donald, Of course, the gasoline, I mean, the gas prices have already gone up because of all the... Uh Infrastructure relative to uh, petrochemical processing in the Houston area exactly. was uh, adversely affected there. So here's where infrastructure is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Indeed. Uh, all these concentrations uh, in areas that face, you know, you, you can't count on getting hit by a hurricane every year, but the chance of getting hit by a hurricane every year is there. And certainly I think Floridians of the future will look back at this hurricane and uh, see it as a taste of things to come. As temperatures rise, as the ocean temperatures rise, uh, Florida will begin to lose land, not sure. just temporarily, seasonally, relative to storms, but permanently. Well, yeah. And as here, will Texas. Here's an interesting example. Uh, this is from an article. <coughs> On the 23rd of November, about the Arctic Ocean, uh, talking about the uh, increase in um, <clears throat> the algae uh, in the ocean in the Arctic, it says annual production of algae, the base of the food web, increased an estimated 47% between 1997 and 2015. The ocean is greening up much earlier every year. While global warming has affected the whole planet in recent decades, nowhere 
has been hit harder than the Arctic. This month, and this is from last November in an article by Carl Zimmer, this month temperatures in the high Arctic have been as much as 36 degrees above average. Now, get your head around that number for a second, 36 degrees. That's astounding. You know, that's the differential between what it's what it was like this afternoon in Ann Arbor and what it might feel like in a month at night. <laughs> you know, that, that sort of late, early October differential in temperature between night and day can be that high. Uh, Denver, Colorado can experience that kind of variance in a day. But uh, when you are talking about, and this is according to Danish meteorologists, says in October, the extent of the sea ice in the Arctic was 28.5% below average, the lowest for the month since scientists have been keeping records in 1979. And this is an important thing. Our record keeping on weather and climate is much improved since, say, the end of the Second World War. So when you hear an idiot like Trump say, oh, this is a 500-year storm, what on earth is he talking about? <laughs> He's not talking about anything related to science. We don't have records that go back that far. Some of the most reliable records we have, ironically, are people that lived in London who recorded in their diaries when certain plants would bloom in the spring. Mm. And we know just from that that the uh, appearance of some of these uh, flowers, flowering trees, the sort of on-the-ground reporting, that's gone up about 11 to 12 days since the 1700s, before the Industrial Revolution. But these were not scientists. These are just people keeping a diary. Now, there's no reason for them to lie to their diary. They're just curious. Well, especially if they're farmers, they're record-keeping, yeah. which, you know, let's face it, that's basically all science is. Right. is the collection of data, the analysis of that data, and the attempt to try to project from the patterns that emerge potential scenarios. Sure. And that's exactly what science is. And, of course, you know, yesterday's uh, New York Times had a really interesting critique of Donald Trump's war on science. Uh, proposals, for instance, to cut um, the uh, National Sci Science Foundation and the National Institutes of Health by $6 billion, a proposal to eliminate $250 million for NOAA's coastal research programs that prepare communities for rising seas and worsening storms. I mean, this is, this is mind-boggling. Yeah. But then, of course, we have had reliable reports, and this goes back to the 3rd of June, no one will say if Trump denies climate science. Aides balk when asked amid decision in Paris. Past claims of hoax aren't repeated. This article appeared on the front page by Peter Baker just days after Trump withdrew America from the voluntary Paris climate deal. At the end of the day, it doesn't really even matter what he personally believes. I don't think he has those kinds of beliefs. He'll no. believe... 
whatever he needs to say at any given moment is what he'll say, and that's all he believes. Right. So between him and Rush Limbaugh and the word hoax, <laughs> hang on to your wallet, <laughs> as they say. Or create a mental picture of uh, Trump gadding about uh, the White House in some of the uh, luxurious gifts he received from the Saudis. That was another bizarre article oh, yeah. from last week. The tiger. 80 gifts that uh, <laughs> Saudi Arabia gave Trump when he visited, including... A uh, orange traditional shirt with silver floral embroidery and leather ammo holder and holster. A sleeveless white silk cotton garment and two robes lined with the fur of a white tiger. It can have like a Liberace clam bake party there. Well, the thing that's remarkable about the orange, of course, is it would match his head. And the white tiger fur, I'm sure that's an animal about to become extinct. It just occurred to me that uh, we haven't heard any damage reports at Mar-a-Lago. We have heard about community centers that have sprung up all around the Houston area and will shortly be emerging uh, to help people who are dislocated in the uh, Irma flooding in Florida uh, of churches, mosques, temples opening their uh you know, facilities to uh, allow people to stay there. Will Mar-a-Lago be uh, hosting at, you know, no charge? Uh, people whose homes have been destroyed? I kind of doubt it. Well, at least with the Saudi gifts, uh, um, Trump can go as a creamsicle this year for Halloween <laughs> at the uh, White House Halloween party. Well, uh, we, uh, I guess, are out of time down here on Gray Matters here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening, and do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next on this fine station. Thursday nights at 7, you might need to face the music with Washtenaw County's longest-running all-purpose specialty show. Face the music, utilizing cultural residue as a cipher in order to unlock, subvert, and redefine the mysteries of the human genome. Face the music, Thursday nights at 7 on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's community-connected, student-run, experimental, experiential alternative, 88.3 centimeters. Charles Avery in the background, playing the 88s to the Dearborn Street breakdown, telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host this evening for an hour-long excursion into the land of Delta Blues and early urban blues, performed and lived by the men and women who started it all. 
this track found on a compilation on the Yazoo record label called Shake Your Wicked Knees, Rent Parties in Good Times, 